You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is Sports Day for Kia. The striking Kia range, the cornerstone of progressive technology, blistering performance and quality design. That's Kia. Right across South Australia, it's the summer edition of Sports ASA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. And you'll hear Sports Day every weeknight from 6pm with me, Paul Bonza. And tonight, coach of the Norwood Footy Club, Jade Rawlings is joining me. Jade, welcome. Thanks, Bonds. Good to see you again. Yes, yes. Uh, back in the hot seat. Hey, we've got a big show tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about the test match, and we'll keep you updated. Um, we've got it on in the studio here. Uh, current score, 5 for 182, India. Um, the Sackers are playing the Whackers at Adelaide Oval, and the Sackers going okay after being sent in. We'll talk about that as well. Friday forecast coming up, so uh, I hope you're ready for that, Twig. And later in the show, Gav Joshi. He's going to talk to us about the test match as well. We'll go into a bit more depth about the test cricket with Gav. Uh, he's a, a, one, a cricket writer of note and can't wait to talk to Gav. He's a good man. But uh, let's get into the hot topic. Thanks to Char Time, the home of freshly brewed tea. Thirsty at Char Time? Explore our ready-made signature drink range inspired by Char Time fan faves. Sports Day SA. It's a beautiful Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Well, Twig, before we get into the cricket, I want to ask you about your thoughts on Travis Head not playing. Shocked when I found out about it yesterday afternoon. Uh, I've, I've got a very strong belief in not tampering with what works. And yep. you can overanalyze data and statistics at times and – what I was thinking on the way in today is that somewhere on the line, Travis's behaviours, which I would have thought have been pretty good for Australia, they're basically saying that we'll overlook behaviour and contribution to the team, the function as much as the performance, to get a result. And I disagree with that theory because if you go horses for courses, be careful which horse you leave out for the wrong course. Yeah, It could really come back to bite you in the yep. backside, both internally. I look at the Australian team, I wonder how many of the players – think that it was the right decision. And that's where it can be disruptive. If you upset the apple cart there for a popular member based upon previous performances in the subcontinent, not current, it should have been player of the series. Now, yes. what it leads to is conjecture is that, was it strategic that he's not player of the series in the, the South African series? You'd hate to go down those part, that path. But that's what it leads to, the conjecture. And I, I follow Twitter. I like reading what's mm. out there in the sporting world. And it was vitriol yesterday. It was people would, and it wasn't wasn't just South Australians. And Correct. So I disagree with it, but I, and I don't wish ill upon the people that come in. They're the people I feel for because they come in under pressure based upon who went out rather than being celebrated for coming in. Yep, exactly right. And uh, Matt Renshaw will probably bear the brunt of most of that. First ball duck for him. Um, yeah, it's, it, it was staggering and it is still staggering and a lot of people have had their say um, and I think that George Bailey and the selectors got this one wrong. 
So South Australian hat off for you. You still would see it as... He is the number four test batsman in the world and we're leaving him out of our 11. Makes no sense. It makes you laughing stock. Like it's... Who yeah. would we be worried if, if one of the Indians have a bad record from a previous tour and came out to Australia and they said, Pajara's not playing. Seriously? Like if he's mm. not playing in, in New Zealand or somewhere else, we'd, yep. we'd look at that and go, how could Pajara not be getting a game? South Africa, West Indies, England... We'd all be looking at Travis Head not getting a game going, what are they doing? Yeah, it's, it, is, it is amazing. It's staggering. And, uh, I, yeah, look, I hope no, – you, you don't want to see bad come of anyone, but I hope karma hits someone at some time. No, what I, no, what I hope is that Travis Head comes in and performs. I think that's the best way, and that reflects more you, the person. Yes. You're not a bitter person, no. Paul. But uh, no. the other part is that I read an article – about Travis Head and what he wants to do in India and how he's bowling, working with Daniel Vittori and how his bowling is more than just part-time and how he enjoys it. And I feel for when you put that situation where you're talking about what you're about to do and then that gets taken away from you. That's that's the other thing, that all of us, you know, they lose his bowling, yep. which, again, makes no sense. Well, but, we, uh, now, Renshaw's not out there at the moment with a knee injury. Then no. that's adds to the fuel of people's view on non-selection of head because head just bowls 15 overs probably already yep. at this stage with the way the test is panning out. Uh, but how good's Murphy? Far out. Well, let's have a listen to his first wicket. Murphy, three catches in the shade. It's fuller. Caught and bowled. There's his first test wicket. And it's KL Rahul who's spooned the catch back down the pitch. Murphy to his right. He receives a warm embrace from his new teammates. And as we said, they needed something before the close of play. Well, we've hung some stuff on the selectors. We need to praise them for this selection. It was obvious to a lot of cricket people that this kid had some talent and he has the figures of four for 54 off 22 overs. So going at less than two and a half and over in his first test match, um, it's it's fantastic. If you follow cricket and you've got a good pulse on domestic standard, it wasn't a bolter. It wasn't a surprise selection. It was the, the right selection. Yep. And then I think people getting familiar with Todd through Big Bash. Yes. See that his performance with the sixes, that he knew he had good ball control. He was able to keep the run rate quite low for a spinner. So, yeah, I'm just so pleased to see that validation of his selection for him as much as the Australian team. But uh, he's going to be a star because I think you and I chatted the other week that he's more advanced as a cricketer than Nathan Lyon was when he came in. At the same be, time. Australian cricketers. So, yeah, hopefully we're able to overlap there. They can bowl together for a while. Then when Murphy takes the mantle that we get to enjoy with what he does from what we've watched of Lyon over the last 10 years. Later in the show, we're going to speak to Gav Joshi. So we might leave the test match there and we'll give you an, an updated score. It's 5 for 188. Rohit Sharma's made 100. He's 103 not out. And Jadeja is there with him, 11 not out. If you missed it, Coley was out for 12. Caught down the leg side by Alex Carey. Off the bowling of Todd. Murphy and Nathan Lyon just picked up his first wicket as well. All right, let's turn to the Redbacks. Uh, they got they lost the toss this morning, got thrown in on the Adelaide Oval, which is somewhat unusual. You don't see that very often. Teams bowling first when they win the toss. Um, they had a really good morning. They were one for seventy nine at the lunch break. Um, then Henry Hunt sixty three. Um, McSweeney out for zero. So they lost a couple of wickets in a, in a hurry. Uh, at T, they were three for 193. Daniel Drew, uh, 106 not out at T. And Jake Lehman was there with him. Lehman out for 26. Kelly out for 39. And the current score, 
Five for 100. Uh, this is the stump score, so I can give you the stump score. Five for 100, uh, 311. There's some feedback for Western Australia on the decision to bowl, isn't there? <laughs> that score line. Yeah, Harry Nelson's on 12, not out. And Daniel Drew, the West Torrens skipper, 160, not out. Uh, he has had a day, is Daniel Drew. So magnificent stuff. They've got a pretty strong batting lineup, though. The Whackers, Aaron Hardy, Sean Marsh, Stoinis. Bancroft, Whiteman. it's it's Whiteman, it's yes. a, it's a, Inglis, uh, it's a talented <laughs> lineup. We can go on. I think they had Stoinis batting seven. Yeah, it reeks of a first innings points potential with good weather and flat deck. But uh, what under Drew? Like, what's his uh, grade cricket career been like? Because I've seen his name in and out over the last year or two. But... Yeah, uh, a mountain of runs at grade level. Yep. Uh, been very successful in in short form as well. Um, but he's been, I guess, one of those players that you go, yeah, he probably should get a chance. He got his chance, and now he's taking it. He's in and out a little bit when he first came on the scene, but uh, looks like he might have locked in a spot in that sack aside for maybe this year and all the rest of this year and maybe next year. Will you make a big hundred? It guarantees you at least the next two Shield games, and hopefully with where South Australia's at, there's been a whole heap of victories over the last couple of years. When you find one, irrespective of... Age when you find one something that you can put a number four in and just get a, a bit of a pillar there. That's probably what South Australia may have lacked over the last couple of years. A weather all makes runs up the top. Hunt came along on the scene last year and was pretty good. Uh, so I'm really pleased to see someone emerge and make big runs, like 160 on a day. It's a big hundred, yeah. and, and you know, almost go out for a few tonight, don't you? On day end of day one, yeah. Why not? <laughs> Got 160 in your back pocket. Why yeah, not? If it's been done in the past, Paul, and worked, it can still work in the future. <laughs> couple of red cans uh, in the change room waiting for you when you got in, I'm sure. Um, the other Shield game, we'll just touch on that. Victoria at 307 in their first innings. They bowled Queensland out for 175, and they are two for 21 in the second innings. They lead by 153 with eight wickets in hand. And uh, Will Sutherland captaining, captaining for the first time for Victoria with uh, Pete Hanskin over in India. Uh, what a great leveller cricket is. Marcus Harris makes it day 100. <laughs> and couldn't have bat any better, got out for right on 100. And yep. then it's batting by the end of late in day two, duck. Just it, I think golf and cricket are two of the great levels <laughs> going around. Yeah. I'm, I'm, my golf game is uh, – it's a work in progress at the moment. Sam, sort of, Sam reckons it's going like this. I'm not sure. It's sort of <laughs> up and down a bit. I've had some lessons and got some new clubs. It and, can be uh, dangerous getting lessons, Paul. No, it's the first time I've ever got lessons. I think it's about time. Um I want to touch on the MBL as well, but we might leave that for a little bit later. Um, and as I mentioned, Gav Joshi coming up on the show. We'll talk all test cricket. Current score, five for 189. Sharma on 103. Jadeja on 12. So not a lot happening. Nathan Lyon, one wicket. And the new star of Australian cricket, Don Murphy, has four for. Um, how are your red legs going at the moment? Like we're not far away from the start of the season. Yeah, it's come around very quickly. When you get your group to Christmas, it's a, mentally you can see everyone just wanting to get there. It's yep. a great time of the year and they know it's a reasonable way before you start playing. And then we come back after Christmas, before, you get three weeks in, you're a couple of weeks in away from practice yep. matches. So it comes around quickly. There's always that feeling of have you got enough work into them? Are you clear enough with how you want the new, especially new players coming in with wanting to play, how are your rehab players coming along? So it's a... It's a tricky little period, making sure you get the work in. Uh, the other one's when's the right time to play, guys. So 
if they haven't done any pre-season because of surgery, yeah. what's the right amount of sessions or weeks before they're entitled to play. So, yeah, it's a good time of the year. I like the projection and start to, I think the SNFL talk starting to just build a little bit more. So that's exciting. But, yeah, I, I, I've been really pleased with the summer. It's, uh, yeah, people only care about what you do next. I'm convinced about that, that whatever you might have done, people loved it at the time, but they're interested to see what you do next. And that's what I like about our situation, that we got some feedback last year that we were, we're not a bad footy club, but yep. really what we do next is how we get judged and then what we do next again. And so I like that thought. So one or two players that have surprised you in the preseason? Uh, quite a few actually, Bonds. And some of the names probably won't mean much to many people, many of our listeners, but it's probably the most pleasing part. We've got some senior players who have the remnants of last year yep. are still just coming into main training now through surgery in particular. But what it does it really provides opportunity and you're really keen to see who jumps up and you look at a player in a different light to what you may have. If we had every senior player available training last night, we don't get to see certain players play on ball or play wing or whatever it might be. So we're just starting to integrate some match play at the moment. But oh, we've got a guy called Matt Ling who was first round draft pick to Sydney, had four years up there, didn't quite work out, went back to Geelong, played Geelong VFL last year and wants to further himself. Been really pleased with him. Uh, Jack Saunders who's come back from yep. Hawthorne, Norwood boy, He's just got a real urgency about how he trains. We really like what we see. Young kid called Ollie Sanders from Tassie who played Carlton VFL last year. He's just got a bit of a sniff of yeah, what it takes to be a good player at this level. We've got a guy called Goy Locke who's an Ethiopian boy who yes, uh, yeah, yes, really story interesting background, terrific young person, coached him in Victoria in a past life. He's come in and had a big impact. So there's potential for six to eight players to be there, thereabouts in our round one team this year that are different from – last year's final series. So that's, I think every club will be a similar situation. The, the transient nature of a second tier footy, a lot of clubs have a high turnover. Yep. And then you, who emerges into your best team, it takes four to six weeks, I reckon, at the start of the year for the comp to work itself out. All right. Um, you can be part of the show as well. 0427154166 or give us a call. 1300-736-736. Be part of the show. Coming up very soon on the show, the Friday forecast, and then later we'll speak to Gav Joshi all about the Test Cricket in India. You're listening to Sports Day for Kia. The striking Kia range, the cornerstone of progressive technology, blistering performance and quality design. That's Kia. Welcome back to the summer edition of Sports ASA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Paul Bonza and Twig Rawlings with you. Coach of the Norwood Footy Club, former Hawthorne champ. Got to do that because I'm a Hawthorne man. We have a caller on the line, Twig. It's uh, Chris. He wants to talk about SA sporting teams. Chris, welcome to the summer edition of Sports ASA. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. What can we do for you, mate? Uh, yeah, just wanted to get your thoughts on, obviously, um, our sporting teams here in SA. Uh, besides the Giants, obviously, got the job done last weekend. But um, teams like 36ers, the Lightning, Redbacks, obviously haven't finished or not going to finish where, where they like. Um, with the Sixers second to bottom, the Lightning are currently sitting second to bottom at the moment with a few games left. Um, and obviously the Redbacks. Um, what what do what do the state need to do to get get the talent back up to where where it probably should be here in SA? Yeah, 
Okay, Chris, uh, very interesting question. We were talking particularly about the 36s off air and the uh, probably the promise that was shown earlier in the year, especially the trip over to America and playing really well over there was probably false economy. But, yeah, we're just talking about recruiting. I'm really big on recruiting and what type of skill set are you acquiring in relation to performance but also in character and how they actually add to a layer of culture and how they're going to perform when it gets hard. And... I went to a lightning game the other week. Actually, really enjoyed it. Uh, my partner, former basketballer at um, the NBL one level, so we really enjoyed going to watch the lightning. They just got pipped by the Boomers, but I really like watching them play. It was interesting that you bring them up because I felt watching them play, they wanted to win more than the Boomers on that night, and there was a genuine spirit. I was watching the the teammates on the bench celebrating other successes, and they looked quite young, but yeah. I really liked what I saw. And uh, just from someone who's completely independent, I would go and watch them again because of the, the spirit shown. So I think on a development curve, Chris, the lightning have looked to me will be on the right track. Uh, 36 will be interesting to see what they do yeah. with some decisions with the playing roster, and yeah. I hope CJ hangs on. I like the way he goes about it, but time will tell. So, uh, yeah, very interesting points you bring up. Unfortunately, we can't invent a time machine and go back to 1998, uh, the glory days, the Sixers won, the Crows won, uh, the Lightning won. It, it, it was all uh, all happening in 98. But, uh, Chris, th- thanks for your call and your input. Really appreciate it uh, to be part of the summer edition of Sports Day SA. Thanks for your call. It's so No worries. Thanks for having me. Good on you, Chris. So good. It's my experience two and a half years in South Australia. The passion for South Australian sport is yep. so genuine. Time for our Friday forecast. Make the switch to Mate Internet and Mobile. Mate 5G plans from $40. Time for our Friday forecast. You'll be doing frog in my throat. Uh, India, I'll give you a quick score update. India 5 for 192. Sharma, Rohit Sharma's on 105. Jadeja 13. So going along slowly at the moment. Okay, Twig, you can go first. What's your sure thing? Well, I'm a big basketball fan. Yes. And I'm a Jack Jumpers fan. Massive Jackies fan. And Jackies go and play New Zealand first of three. And yes. I, I like their chances. I think Cairns just get the Wildcats done. Okay. So I watched last night Cairns get done by the Jack Jumpers yep. and they wouldn't have thought they played well, and Jack Jumpers played very well. Uh, Pinder's still not playing, but I just feel as though Cairns up there with – they've been clearly the second-best team this year yep. for mine. I think they've been more consistent than the Breakers, and the Kings have been the best. So I think Cairns get the Wildcats done up there. All right. My sure thing is that Travis Head will come back into the side in India and make runs. And make runs. And make runs. He won't just come back in. He will make runs and so, take wickets. So second test – just comes back in, irrespective of... Well, it looks like Renshaw is not going to be fit, maybe, depending on how his knee is. But, we'll, uh, yeah, you don't want to take a half-fit Renshaw into the side. Just bring Trav straight back in. Um, most at stake. Who's got the most at stake for you? Well, I think the Australian selectors, because the Australian cricket team is in a great position at the moment, and I think it's started to restore its reputation to the Australian public about how it's perceived, but in particular its performance has been very, very good. Yeah. I think when you tamper with it with Travis Head, that is a potential threat. And I think if it's deemed to have not worked this decision, it could come back and be put a lot of unnecessary pressure on them. They've picked that team that they think is going to win. Yeah. But the pub test says that it's upset a lot of people. Um, my most at stake is the Phoenix Suns uh, with the KD trade. If it doesn't work, they've given up four first-rounders. Um, we might leave our doomsday to... After, because coming up on the show, we're going to speak to Gav Joshi about the test match going on in India.
back shortly here on the summer edition of Sports Day SA. You're listening to Sports Day for Kia. The striking Kia range, the cornerstone of progressive technology, blistering performance and quality design. That's Kia. Welcome back to the summer edition of Sports ASA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Paul Bonzer and Twig Rawlings with you. And we're here for Kia, progressive technology, blistering performance and quality design. And we're just looking after the show for David Wildey and Malcolm Blight, who will be back at the start of footy season. But you can be part of the show right now. All you have to do is text in 0427 154 166 or give us a call like uh, Chris did earlier, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Any questions about any sport? If you want to talk about the test match, just like we're going to do right now with uh, cricket journo Gav Joshi. Thanks to Tire Power. Think safety this February. Get the five minute tire safety check at your local Tire Power. Sports Day SA. Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Gav, welcome to the summer edition of Sports ASA. Good evening, guys. I like how you've left Blighty out. We talk about Australian cricketers playing horses for courses. You guys seem to be doing the same for him, only <laughs> bringing him on during the footy season. No, we can't afford to pay him for the full year, so Annie does the winter. So he's on a he's on a massive contract. So he just he just comes in and does what he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. Uh, <laughs> but um, let's. I, I, I've asked uh, Twig this earlier, um, but I want to ask you: What are your thoughts on the dropping of Ch- Travis Head? Oh, look, it's it's monumental. I look at it. It's- particularly from the Australian cricketing future perspective. I mean, look, uh, you know, we know Pat Cummins is going to be the skipper for a while, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, he's a fast bowler. He might need to rest. And, look, Travis Head's, in a way, penciled in as an Australian skipper somewhere down the line. And if you're dropping him, and given that the form that he's been in, it, it's rather puzzling as well. I mean, I, I fail to understand. Look, if he was dropped a, a right-hander so, or, or someone who's really going to be attacking, uh, it, it, it makes sense. But if, if you're dropping him for someone like a Matt Wrencher or... Oh, it's, it's just baffling given, you know, I know Travis Hader hasn't scored a lot of runs, but it's an enormous surprise because he's part of the leadership group. We know what it, it, he's been so pivotal over the last sort of, you know, at least 18 months uh, in Australian cricket. And they were looking to take India on. And, and Travis said, I mean, he's, his strike rate's about 90 in the last sort of 12 months of cricket. So it, it's baffling that if, if they're going to take India on, how could you drop Travis Head? Correct answer. We feel the same, Gavin. It's got a similar feel to when England came in here last time and it was it Broad and Anderson didn't play or they didn't play. Yeah. Tried to rest them because of the big series and you overcomplicate things. And the other point you made is about the leadership. I I couldn't concur anymore about him being a leadership group and us as a selection crew tampering with that. Is he seen genuinely as a potential captain of Australia? Oh, I definitely think so. I mean, Pat, Paddy Cummins is there, but like I mentioned, you know, fast bowler. Uh, Australia traditionally have had a batter out there. And look, I think 
give it another 12 months, maybe even after the Ashes or the World Cup, I think even possibly after next summer, uh, this team's going to go through another transition. Um, yes, Pat Cummins is probably going to be there for a long term, but I mean, Travis said, I mean, he's been captain South Australia for, well, it feels like almost a decade now. I think it was about 22. Um, so that's really baffling. So if you've been dropped, um, what does that do to the, um, you know, a guy's confidence? I, I just find it hard. And like I mentioned, I mean, tactically, I think you're spot on as well. If it's, if it's a left-hander for a left-hander, uh, I, I, it, it's, it's hard to get, uh, and especially if Australia going to lose his match. And given Matt Renshaw hasn't fielded and, you know, he's got... By the sounds of it, this afternoon he's, he's had a bit of a niggle and he's and he's been taken to hospital for a few X-rays as well. So, just makes it a bit more baffling. What about the decision not to play a, a practice match or a uh, yeah, trial match, warm up game, warm up game? Sorry, looking for that word in India. It's a high risk. We would all think, given the his history is usually a good educator, that most teams go over and play one, if not two to three. What, what was your view on that? It just depends what India would have promised them. I mean, generally, well, what happens is you, you, you do you get a tour match, but you, you play it against some park cricketers and you get pitches which has got grass on them, which is not something you're going to get during the test match. So I think Australia's done the smart tactic. I think India's done that in the past as well, that where they've almost taken a squad of sort of 20, 25 players um, and, and let, the, you know, let the curator work for them, if, if I can say that. Um, Australia did that in their last Ashes test, um, Ashes series in 2019, where they had that warm-up game in Southampton and then sort of had a squad of 40. So I think just with modern day how it is, uh, it, it's probably more of a, an option. And how much time do you have? So, And generally, you're going to have someone like a you know Cummins maybe just feel maybe for the maybe not for the whole day so um probably the right approach i think just the way the cricket's going at the moment a lot of noise prior to the test match starting about the wicket um and i guess the way the pitch looks with our man Barat sending out photos all around the world with a couple of bear patches on them uh doesn't look <laughs> that way now but uh, your thoughts on the pitch and it pro- I'll probably played a bit better than what initial thoughts were yeah, absolutely spot on. I mean, if Road Chalmers, what you know, 107 not out. I mean, it can't be. It can't be a minefield. I mean, Marcus Labuschagne and Steve Smith, who are exceptional. I mean, they got good deliveries, but yeah. they can generally bat on it. And so, I've got no complaints. And you mentioned a couple of spots. I think there's more than a couple of spots that you're you know about to powder up as this game goes on. But that's cricket in India. I don't. Whether it has been doctored, whether let's face it, I, I loved telling that tale from 1998 when Shane Warne went over, and we talk about the rough patches. But the Indian curators back in 1998 actually made made sure that where the rough patches are, they really roll the pitch hard, so there won't be any uh, rough patches for Shane Warne to bowl into. So this is a bit of a contrast to that, where they want their bowlers to bowl into it. Um, yes, if you're sort of you know tailoring a pitch to a certain amount of pitch. But look, at the end of the day, both teams need to bat on it, and there is home advantage. But like I said, if Roach Arm is 110 odd not out, you can't complain much about the pitch. What are your thoughts once Cameron Green is deemed fully fit? Does he come straight back into the team? Obviously, the batting side is obvious, but just have an extra seamer to offset a loop and also provide something different with his height. Do you think he just comes straight back in, and, and probably at whose position would that cost? 
Well, that, that's going to be an interesting proposition. I mean, given, you know, who does he come in for? You think if he's straight in, then it gives Australia a fifth bowling option, which always helps. But then he's a, he's a right-hander as well. So who does he come in for? Um, that, that's just going to be interesting, especially if Australia go on to lose this match. If they win, then you stick to the same combo. But I think Cam Green comes straight in. He's been penciled in as a long-term future probably just needs to bowl about five or six overs and that's enough for the workload of the other fast bowlers. But um, definitely you think Cameron Green's an automatic pick if he's fit. What about David Warner? I want to ask you about him and his future. He's uh, basically pretty much missed a straight one. Uh, was just late on it in the first innings. We've seen a little bit of that from Dave Warner in the past 12 months where the feet and the brain just not working as quickly as what they have in the past um, is there pressure on Dave Warner? I, I think if he doesn't score runs in the first couple of test matches, yes. I, I made a bold prediction inside of this series and one of the podcasts that I'm on that I could I could imagine Australia opening with someone like a Cam Green in the four test match if this series goes perilously wrong. Now, whether it's in the expense of Usman Khawaja or David Warner, I didn't make that prediction. But look, there's certainly pressure on him. He doesn't have, I think he averages sort of mid-20s against um, India. And, and if you look at it, I think 40% of his dismissals against India in India have been against pace bowling. So it's not really the spinners who've got him out. He's also getting out to fast bowlers. So uh, clearly his technique against the low skidding ball has been exposed at times. So big moment. I, you don't think Australia's going to make t- changes for the first two test matches with Warner, given he did score a double hundred. Uh, but you're right. I think the reflexes have started to go. There were a bit few question marks. Uh, but look, I don't think Australia's going to make those changes immediately. Maybe if they're 2-0 or maybe even 3-0 down, perhaps they'd need to make those changes. And especially given the next at- test series is against England, where he hasn't gone too well in the past either. Well, that's what I want to ask you about, Gab. I, I think Warner has been a, a champion of Australian cricket. When you score mid to high 20 test centuries, incredible performance. But what this selection of or non-selection ahead does, it says the current selection policy will be if you haven't scored runs in a previous environment, that precludes Warner from even going on the Ashes series from what happened last time. So it's, it's more effect of these type of decisions as we move forward than just this isolated test. Well, you can probably ask, get Travis Head to ask the selectors and saying, <laughs> I've got a great record I, I, and then I've been dropped because my record in subcontinent isn't good. So if David Warner's <laughs> record isn't great, then why is he getting picked? So, um, look, if they are going for horses for po- uh, courses policy, then who's the better bet? I, mean, I believe Marcus Harris is going to play some cricket over in England. Um, just after the Shield, he's been in good form as well. Does he make an automatic selection? Uh, so what happens? So um, that, that, that that's that's going to be interesting to see. But big pressure on David Warner. He probably makes it to England, even if he has a disastrous tour of India. Uh, but you wonder how long that's going to last for. I think there's, there's a bit of pressure on him for sure. Have Australia unearthed the successor to Nathan Lyon with Todd Murphy uh, four wickets already in his first test? Well, we all would thought that 10 years ago, didn't we? Or 12 years ago when Jason Crazier at the same ground picked up, what, 16 wickets or 14 wickets it was yep. on, and, and rolled through India. So um, it's but everything looks good about Todd Murphy. I mean, he's got flight. What I've liked about his bowling is he's quick through the air, but he has that natural loop. And generally when bowlers try to bowl fast, they lose the loop. Um, but he, he's had that. And I, I think he's very impressive. 
Yes, I, I mean, look, in, in the future, maybe if Australia's sort of 2-0 up in the series, that they, they can unearth Murphy. Let's forget that Nathan Lyon, I think last time he was dropped was in 2013, um, or, or might have been another test series uh, around that mark. But he hasn't been dropped ever since, and he's just played continuous cricket. So, uh, but, you know, perhaps it's a chance to prolong Nathan Lyon's career uh, that if you've got someone like a Todd Murphy and, and, and give him a go, and if he proves himself like he has in this innings, then, hey, Australian cricket have might unearth another spinner for, for a long term. What's your view on Test cricket broadly? Do you, Gav, do you feel like it's in a great spot and thriving, or do you feel as a risk? I get surprised when I read the obituary commentary about its potential future. What's your view on Test cricket's state at this stage? I think it's probably dying to, in some countries, uh, certainly not in the subcontinent. Uh, but, you know, you just look at South Africa and uh, I think they're in a bit of trouble. Um, and, and they were, New Zealand's going well at the moment. So maybe we're not that at stage yet, but maybe it's something what England are doing. The brand of cricket England are playing and nice and exciting, trying to take them on. Um, I don't think Test cricket will ever die in a country like India or maybe even in Sri Lanka. Uh, but, but look, at the end of the day, a lot also depends on broadcasters, boys. I mean, we know how important television rights are, and if if, if there's no eyeballs or watching Test cricket, um, it's it's fine when you know India, England, and Australia playing against each other. But what about when it's the others? Um, and that's where the concern might be. Where, but uh, look, I I think we're pretty safe for now. Um, it's certainly in Australia and India and uh, and countries like Pakistan um, and to an extent New Zealand, but. Some of the other ones, these T20 franchises continue to rise and um, you just worry about the availability. One thing for sure, I don't think we're going to have three format players, um, too many three format players for for pretty much from, you know, a couple of years down the track. I think people are just going to be selecting two formats or even even one format. Before we let you go, Gav, uh, can you give us uh, how you think the series will end up? Uh, India winning, Australia winning? Oh, I, I was optimistic. Um, I think Australia, I mean, need a couple of wickets here, but if, if India get a lead of 100, 120 here, you're probably giving this test match to India. So I'm going to change my scorecard. And I, I think India were definitely winning two test matches. But, um, yeah, I, I might see. But maybe I'm going to go to something like 2-1 or uh, like that. And maybe Durham Charlotte, maybe a strike and force a draw or one of the other test matches where it becomes a, a placid track and some of our batters can nail down. But I, I certainly, I, I'd really, for, given the, the way that Australia's played in this test match, I think Australia would definitely win a test match. I'm not sure if they're good enough to win the test series. Gav, appreciate your time and uh, joining us here on the summer edition of Sports ASA. Thanks for your Thanks for having me, guys. Gav Joshi, a cricket writer of night. He's a, he's a good man. Knows his cricket. He's a beauty, isn't he? Yeah, yeah I really like it. I haven't had a chat to Gav before. We really liked his knowledge and his positivity, and he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, time for Lost in the Wash. Thanks to Toolkit Depot, your one-stop shop. To get back on the tools, new year means new gear at Toolkit Depot. Sports Day SA. Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. You can be part of the show as well. Text in 0427154166. Quick score update from India 5 for 210. Sharma's on 109. Jadeja's up to 27 now, so he's got a little bit of a wriggle on. Scott Boland bowling very well. He's uh, got an edge that went through first slip. Uh, 
couple of LBW appeals that um, are close. But anyway, Twig, I want to ask you a question. Um, we were talking off air before the show started, a discussion about whether there should be the AFL mid-season draft where a lot of sample people don't like and then maybe a mid-season trade comes in to replace the mid-season draft. Yeah, interesting concept, I think, given the NBA circumstances. Yes, well, we're seeing that right now, aren't we? Yeah, they're 55 games into an 81-game season and the trades are flying around everywhere. And I like the concept that each organisation is trying to better themselves to maximise playoff chances, which could lead to winning a championship. So I think the mid-season draft hasn't probably got to the levels that the AFL may have projected. There's been some really good success stories. I think yes. Collingwood have nailed it with John Noble, uh, Ash Johnson from Sturt, and then last year, Josh Carmichael from West Adelaide. So all have played a reasonable level of senior footy each year that they've been selected. So, But that's not the norm across the 18 teams. There's been a lot of potential young players that haven't really done a lot, either 18s or state league, and yep. just end up out. And there's also the six-month. There's Zane Williams from Eagles who went to Geelong and is back yep. living in South Australia in six months. It, I really don't like that. Side That's where it's it. broken, isn't it? And I think with what media surrounds trade period, you imagine in the middle of the season, if your team's struggling, you start to hear about the potential of acquiring a player from somewhere else. It gives you a spike. And the obvious is that this game is built around media rights and people talking about footy generally and AFL in particular. I, I think it's got merit. Uh, there'd have to be some salary cap adjustments, especially if you're looking at a lure of big fish. Uh, so, a bit to play with there, and I'm sure they felt always looking at different ways to, to spice it up and use the American models as a test case to see how that, that works for them. But, yeah, there's some merit in the trading, I think. Yeah, well, if our listeners aren't aware of what's happened in the last few days, the the teams that are at the top of the ladder in the NBA, they're bringing players in to make them better for a chance to win the whole thing. So Phoenix Suns bring in Kevin Durant, who's – one of the all-time greats, into their lineup. He instantly makes them better and probably, all things being equal, they should go to the NBL finals with him in the side and playing well. There's a risk involved with that. They give away four first-round draft picks to get him. They get one back. They Four out of five years, they get one back. But uh, it's, it's a massive risk for them, I believe. But could... <sighs> Could the AFL public deal with that? So let's uh, let's do a hypothetical. A hypothetical is is that uh, Port. Let's go. Let's go back to last year. Port are out of the out of the finals race. They can't make it. And Melbourne want Travis Boak. Could the AFL public deal with that? That that's. I don't think the Australian public could deal with that yet. We still struggle with players talk about the contracts. For next yes. year. Yes. So we're a fair way off, been able to deal with it. But acquisition of players that are suitable to your organisation through a trade, I think will liven up the draft because the things that have been introduced have been mid-season draft, live trading of draft picks on the night, and then Carlton do that a couple of years ago, and then all the pressure goes on Liam Stocker because Carlton want to come into the draft earlier to get pick 19, to get Stocker, to beat other people potentially getting him. So then the pressure's on Stocker. So yep. we we almost – a forensic lens on Stocker to see if Carlton have done the right thing. But if we do it in different ways, that could spice it up a little bit more. So 
I'll be a little bit indulgent here. We do not win last year in the SNFL without Luke Sermon. Yep. And we acquired Luke Sermon before the June 30 deadline. The circumstances were Norwood boy, can you come back? Why wait to the end of the season? Let's do it now if we can. Now, we were able to have a management team and a club that really supported the, the movement of that. And we're able to have Luke, who was on board with that as well. And thankfully, Port Adelaide were able to see that it was probably the best for them and Luke at the time. But we do not win without Luke. There was, if there was a flaw in our um, modelling, we didn't have a second ruck or a tall, that tall forward second ruck that could offset when Boyd was in the ruck. So we've had a experience to see the benefits of it. And, yeah, I think the the needs basis, being prepared to be aggressive, to like, absolutely what you just described with Durant. Mm. You've got to give up something to get something good. Who's got the fortitude and courage to make those decisions? And can you make up the first round picks from Phoenix's situation in other ways? It, yeah, it's it's interesting. And all of a sudden, and I heard what Jared, uh, Jared Waitley talking this morning about he's in Phoenix, obviously, and Durant's been traded to Phoenix. And the retailers don't think that they'll be able to stock Durant jerseys quick enough. Like the three days or something, they're going to come in, but we're going to have nowhere near enough. We won't be able to print them quick enough. And that would be, the, I guess, the same thing with the AFL clubs. I think it'd be amazing media across all of that. So if there was two or three weeks in the middle of the AFL season or just after the middle of the AFL season where players could be traded, I think it would be amazing viewing. And uh, <laughs> it would be – it would be – it would – and, and – Let's say uh, even the even the clubs on the bottom of the ladder they lose a ruckman through a knee injury, and one club's got three ruckmen not doing and two of them playing VFL. Why can't we grab one of them and help us maybe get a couple of higher spots on the ladder? A lot of the rhetoric is generally around loyalty, yep. club to player, player yep. to club. But we all move on very quickly when it's we do we boo the player that's gone to the other club for a game or two. And then if they start going okay, we respect them again, then we're all back to normal. But people don't like change. So I think for the game to keep progressing, at the viewership, the quality of the sport is at an all-time high. I thought last season's footy was absolutely sensational. The Agreed. AFL done a great job with the rule changes. Uh, the quality of the balance within the competition is really strong and the coverage is outstanding. So can we keep being progressive with how we keep the game at a high peak, and generally it's at a peak if people are talking about it. And trading would create a lot of lot of discussion. I just think the sooner they do it, the better. Get rid of the mid-season draft because um, that does upset people. And uh, bring in the trade. That'll still upset some people, but it'll be exciting. Yeah, when it's done with the in-your-own competition, it's different. Yeah. Uh, it's when the state leagues – like, let's put – any of us who are appointed as a standalone second-tier club, we've yes. been appointed to develop – Grow, but ultimately win. Yes. That's what everyone's pretty keen on. Yes. So you go and take someone's best player away. Good luck. That's and, right. It, just trying to coach. Like Glenelg last year with Turner and Durden, Handy was coaching with his hands tied. Pardon the pun. Yes. Centre half back and key midfielder. Yeah. So, you know, that whatever reason, circumstance, the why he's not the job, but he wasn't able to do his job to his full capacity because of the rulings above us at his NFL level. Be very interesting. Come on, FL, bring it in. We'd love to see it. Uh, want to give a bit of a pat on the back to the Adelaide Giants. They've obviously just won the title. Uh, the World Baseball Classic is coming up. Seven of their players and two of the coaches have been selected in Team Australia squad. 
uh, Liam Spence, Geordie McArdle, Ricks and Wingrove are the three players named in there, and pitchers Todd Van Steensel, Luke Wilkins, and Mitch Newborn, along with Jacko Lachlan, will uh, be pitching for Australia in the in the squad. And the Giants head coach Chris Adamson uh, will join the coaching staff along with Josh Spence. So, fantastic news for our Adelaide Giants fans. Seven representatives in uh, and two coaches in the. Aussie side. Uh, that's um, starts March nine in Japan, and the finals are in Florida. You're a baseball man, Bonds. I am. Yeah, yeah. I've always followed baseball. I had a good mate who who played for Port for many years, so I've always, you know, most of my life, I've followed a bit of baseball. But uh, yeah, love going out to West Beach and watching the Giants. And what countries? Like, I think naturally, if you're a non-baseball person, you would think that. The Americans would be pretty prominent, but some other countries pretty strong at baseball as Cuba's well. Cuba's pretty strong. China's strong. Japan's strong. Yep. Yeah, so. And uh, Japan and, and China in Australia's group as well. So they've got a tough group, the Aussies, but you never know. What under the Giants? Yeah. Great stuff. Quick score update before we leave you. Five for 217. Rohit Sharma is on 115. Jadeja is on 28. Aussies need a couple of wickets, and they need them in a hurry. Once again, it's been a great week, a big week on the summer edition of Sports Day SA. We hope you can join us again next week and be part of the fun here on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. You're listening to Sports Day for Kia. The striking Kia range, the cornerstone of progressive technology, blistering performance and quality design. That's Kia.